This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Welcome, it's Pat and Stu. Happy President's Day. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful day. At least here in Texas. It's going to be, what, 80? 75, 80? I love it. Oh, it sucks. Not every, in February. Every minute of it. It just means that March is going to be 95 or 100. I don't care what it means. It I can mean do. 126. I oh, still be bored. No! Bring it on. Bring back the heat. Bring back the pool. Bring back the summer. Bring back the pool. I'm all about that. I want it back. Yeah. That'll be nice. Yes, that'll that, be very that, nice. That is the one nice little kind of No, it's not the one nice. I've been talking to, uh, to uh, hot weather. a relative of mine who uh, is uh, still working, living in the one of the few relatives that hasn't moved to Texas since we moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're dealing with slush and oh, snow. And you step in That'd a puddle fun. and it coats your feet ah, in freezing so cold fun. ice. That's just good, clean fun. Right no, it's there. not. It's terrible. It's good, clean fun. It's, it's not. I, I will say this. It's not how humans were intended to live. Okay? Uh, well, if it weren't, then we wouldn't have that kind of weather. <clears throat> so I disagree. People, the whole point of, of, mm. of the, the earth was, is, a, is a litmus test uh, for God to know who's smart by mm. uh, everyone who lives in those areas to move out of them by the end of their lives. That that's essentially what that's the basic design of Earth. I don't have any any scripture to back that up, but we're still in Bible country. I'll tell you that <laughs> we're still in Bible country. I'm still in the Bible. I'm still in the Bible. Not what in you, the Bible, but in Bible well, country. I don't know if you noticed. You're in Bible country. Yes, I'm not. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of the areas in the Bible, Middle East, hot. Yeah, true. So there you go. There you go. Just pointing that out. Just All right. pointing it out. What does it mean? I don't know. What am I resisting? I don't know. 
Is it the institutionalization of the human psyche? Maybe. Is it the collectivization of manufacture? I don't know. Not sure. Maybe. Not I'm not sure. sure, but I can tell you it's a symbol of reversibility. That's exactly what it is. Uh, you know? A symbol that, of reversibility. By the way, that guy keeps coming in on different shows on this network. We need mm-hmm. to get him on. We do. I honestly don't even want to talk to him about his 3D gun anymore. I want to find out really what interesting stuff. collectivization of manufacture means. I just, That's, wanna, yeah. uh, just tell us what the institutionalization of the, of the human, human psyche, psyche is. That's the one I want to focus on. I just want to talk about the institutionalization of the human psyche for like an hour. And what about a symbol of reversibility? What exactly? I mean, why is the gun a symbol of reversibility? Because I think, I think, I thought it was irreversibility, yeah. right? Was so it irreversibility? Yeah, I think it's irreversibility. Yeah, okay, because, maybe. because he's saying sense. like once you have the 3D printed gun. Yeah, you can't reverse you can't, it. No, you, there's no longer a possibility that you can no longer have guns. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I guess you could, yeah. I mean, because even if you were... Collected them all, you could always just print one. Which exactly. Would be pretty crazy. Anyway, that is an interesting topic, but not really one we're talking about today. Um, the, uh, I don't know, do we, let's see. Do you want to get into this Milo thing and all? I just, let, let me be honest about the Milo thing. Um, oh, no. Please, be honest I, about it. Is it okay in our society? Mm-hmm. And I honestly mean this. Is it an okay thing today for us to just be bored by an individual? Is it okay for me to just not care what this idiot talks about? Not if he's homosexual. I, I, I don't. You must be fascinated by every aspect of his life. I, I am not. <laughs> I don't know who he is. I don't know why we know who he is. Homophobe. I don't know what he does. Phobophobe. I don't know anything about Hater. him. I don't care about him. And why his name keeps popping up in news reports, I guess, is because Breitbart essentially is running the country. I guess that's why we're yeah. supposed to care. But I mean, Twitter. I gotta be. I got. All, all, everything in me to care about that story, and I don't care about it. Homophobe, <laughs> hater, phobophobe, hater, phobe, phobic, phober, hating, phobia, phobe of homos, sexuals. <laughs> I mean, it's not. A- I just, I don't, I, it, I mean, I want to uh-huh. say this. It's the same thing with every other Breitbart writer. I just don't care. I know. I don't care what they do. I don't care when they try to come up with these big things that are making, you know, they're mm-hmm. supposed to make everything so controversial. And we're all supposed to tweet about how much we care about them doing mm-hmm. what they did or that they got banned on Twitter or that, I don't know, they got six new friends on MySpace last week. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm supposed to care about, why I'm supposed to care about them, but I just don't care. I don't care what he does. I don't care what he says. He's of no, he does not exist in my world. He does monger, not exist in my life. Hate monger, <laughs> mongering. Well, you think that's monger, the argument? Mongered, I think it's like this thing where. Homophobia monger. Monger of monger, mongle of doids. What? Monglosis. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't Mongoloid. Take it. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. Person from Mongolia, I, I guess. think. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I don't know what, like, I guess because he says controversial things, we're supposed to all get uh, outraged about it. Well, we are, yes. And look, I, you know, yes. I, no one can defend the crap that he says, but I, that's his point, right? Like, he just wants he attention. He tries to do that. And I, I, don't, I, I have no use for people like that. Like, it's one thing if you have, I, I don't know, I just, I mean, this is what he says he does. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't care. I, yeah. I have too much in my life to worry about, to care about what some idiot Breitbart guy is saying. It is interesting that they've chosen him as the keynote speaker. I don't know if this holds up after all this. I really don't yeah. know. 
if C CPAC can, can continue to allow him to be the keynote speaker or a speaker at all, after this pedophilia thing that he was talking about, it was just, I mean, yeah. come on, man. First of all, to bring all homosexuals into that, because he said especially for homosexuals, um, you know, sex among generations or whatever it was that he was kind of saying, he, he implied, in fact, he stated that 13-year-olds and, and men, it's perfectly fine for them to be, to be getting together. I mean, it, it's outrageous what he said. And, but you're right. I mean, who is he? We, I we shouldn't know. even, until a year ago, I'd never heard the name. I don't know who he is. I, I still don't know why we talk about him. I still don't know I, well, who we he do. is. I try not to. So, yeah. I just, I just, and, I don't, I'm just yeah. not. You know, I, like there's a lot of people who are really interesting out there that do all sorts of interesting things. He's just not one. Not of one them. of them. He's just not an interesting character to me. And again, like you look at this stuff a lot of times as, I mean, look, we do a show where we try to advocate for the things that we believe, and and but I mean, you know, it's still an entertainment product, and you come out and you try to talk about things that are interesting. He's just a giant zilch in my life, to be honest with you, a big fat mm-hmm. bore. Yeah. And I, I I don't I don't have anything to say about him. He's just a zero. Is he your hero zero? No. Or oh okay. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, um, maybe since it's President's Day, then we we substitute the presidential list because I really like oh. that on the radio um, program because uh, it was interesting to me that these these liberal historians, for the most part, I'm sure there's a few conservatives sprinkled in just so they can say, uh, "We're not all liberals." There were a hundred out of a hundred of us. We had three conservatives. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. so. And that's true. They did. Paul Kengor is the one I can identify by name, who was a guy who he wrote The Communist, a book about Frank Marshall Davis, the, uh, the mentor to Barack mm-hmm. Obama. He's been on the show many times. He's a really smart guy, historian, uh, obviously highly respected even by the left to put him on this uh, panel yeah. in the first place. Um, and he was very frustrated by the results. I think he's going to come on this week and talk about it. Oh, good. Um, and talk about how, you know, he his, can't believe His Barack big Obama. frustration was Obama's number 12, yeah. right? He does not think that number that's right. Number 12, come, come on. on. And, and that will only rise. As, as time goes on, they'll start to become fonder and fonder of the, of the Barack Obama administration. You're even seeing that with George W. Bush. I mean, he went from 36 to 33 in this race, in the, in the list, which is ridiculous, um, ridiculously low for Bush. I mean, again, he was not a great president by any means, but he was better than 36th. Yeah, um, better than 33, probably. Better than too. 33, yeah. I mean, I think he's, he should be higher. Uh, certainly better than Jimmy Carter. He could uh, put him at 31, and you'd, I'd be okay with it. Really? Yeah. 31. There you go. Maybe even 30. 31. And I'd be okay with it. But, I mean, Jimmy Carter, I'm putting... Carter. Let me scroll down here. What was Carter, 25 or something? Yeah, he was Carter 26. 26. Right behind Ford, who was 25. Uh, And ahead of George W. Bush. Are you kidding me? Come on. Ahead of Calvin Coolidge, who was a great president. Yep, he was 27th. Nixon was 28th. Bush five spots behind Nixon. Come on. I mean, come on. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. absolute insanity. Um, I will also say on this list is William Howard Taft, who is best known for being um, overweight. overweight. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's known for. Grover Cleveland at number 23. What, what, what number was Taft? Uh, Taft was 24. Why is that? Because he was the fat guy. The fat guy gets yep. bumped all the way down to 24. So you think he'd be... Amen, Pat. Uh, Amen. Be, he'd be top 10 if he weren't the fat guy. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, John Adams, 19. Mm, that's pretty bad. low. Uh, Although, James Madison, because 17. the Alien and Sedition Act was so bad, uh, I can almost be okay with 19 for him. 
Other than that, I, th- I think it was, he did a pretty good job. But the Alien and Sedition Act was so unconstitutional, so egregious, um, and such a blight on our history that I think that, you know, he deserves a little, he deserves to be knocked down the list a little bit. Now, longtime listeners of the show will recognize a name uh, very important to the history of this uh, particular program, uh, James K. Polk of James K. Polk Tuesdays. Um, where uh, every Tuesday on the show, for the first few years it existed, on Tuesday we would give you a different fact about James K. Polk with a jingle that said James K. Polk Tuesdays. Well, in, in Why many... did we do that? We don't know. We because have no idea. Oh, nobody had really knew anything about James K. Polk. So no, we no just... that's not true. Oh. It was, we did not okay. do it because we wanted to inform people about James K. Polk. <laughs> no, I mean, because we thought he was funny. That's yeah. why we did we it. Just thought it nobody funny. knows who he is, and it's a funny name, and it's a f- funny presidency that nobody knows anymore. And we had a jingle. We had a jingle. And we had a jingle. James K. Polk Somebody Tuesdays. did a jingle, so we did it. Right. <laughs> For multiple years. And to this day, people, every time they we sure talk do. about a list of presidents, including today, people will say, well, where's James K. Polk? We bring back James K. Polk Tuesdays. Not a good president, by the way. Other than what he did with Mexico, and he kicked their ass. Uh, he didn't personally, but he sent the army, and they did. Well, I will say the, uh, the the C-SPAN presidential voting board disagrees, giving him number 14, um, ahead of even the vaunted Bill Clinton at 15, which is ridiculous in and of itself, but ahead of James Madison. Uh, James I mean, he's Madison. in that. He's in a pretty good area there. Again, Lyndon yeah. Bain Johnson, wow. Baines Johnson at 10 is incomprehensible. That's uh, incomprehensible. It should be unconstitutional. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> not to mention the guy was a big racist. Uh, right. He was a bad president. I mean, you look at the um, the MLK movies that have come out by the left. Even they have showed how bad of a guy he is. They're even starting guy. to admit there. Um, Barack Obama, the big news, was number 12. That was where he debuted on the list. Um, this is an absurd ranking. Um, he is behind Woodrow Wilson, um, who is number 11, which is also an absurd ranking. Then 10, D- Lyndon Baines Johnson, also absurd. Nine, Ronald Reagan, absurd. also absurd. Should be way higher than nine. Right? I mean, so then you've got... Way higher than nine. Jefferson at seven. Uh, or Kennedy at eight is also ridiculous. JFK. The guy was president for nine days, basically. I put him in the middle of the pack. Yeah, you know, he was 25. Yeah, I think he did some good like things. Obviously, it ended tragically. Um, but, how, like, you know, and then Johnson is, is, is all the way up there at number 10? That's insane. Crazy. Um, Jefferson at number seven. Which, again, ridiculous. He should be higher. Um, Harry Truman, number six. Mm. I, I, you know, hey, I mean, I'm I don't know about Truman. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't he put him at the some bottom. tough decision. Yes. You talk about the toughest decision of the last 500 years. How about dropping the uh, atom bomb on yeah. on, on Japan, Japan twice? <laughs> that's a, that's a tough decision. That's a tough decision. Uh, not not going to um, assassinate with a low risk profile um, Osama bin Laden. That's not the toughest decision in the first, uh, in my book. Years? No, hmm. interesting, interesting. But <laughs> it's in the top. You know, making the decision to assassinate the biggest enemy in the United States' recent history, um, that probably puts it in the top eighty-nine million decisions of the last five hundred years. Wow! Eh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would billion. Decisions? Yeah, billion, 89 billion decisions. Billion, probably, yes. It's in the top 89 billion. Maybe it, not the top five. If you eliminate a good 100 to 200 billion decisions, <laughs> um, then yes, maybe. Um, then you've got, so seven is Jefferson, six, Harry Truman, five, Dwight D. Eisenhower. That's an interesting one. That one's a, a like, little Nobody high. talks about Eisenhower. Yeah, like, I, I think he's a pretty good president. I, I thought uh, he was a pretty good one, too. But, uh, it, and he was tough on the border, and maybe that's what bumped him up a little bit. I don't know. Uh, he was maybe, tough. You talk I, about a guy I, who was tough on the border. Yeah. Dwight Eisenhower. 
was <laughs> yes. tough on the border. Yes, and so he's and the interesting thing about him in the last 17 years they've taken this poll <laughs> twice. He has risen from number uh, nine to number five. Wow. Now usually you'll see a, a slight, you know, you see these guys move back a little bit. Number one because there's more people going ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Usually they do it. They add another president. So they add Barack Obama at number 12. Everyone below number 12 moves down a slot. Um, but actually, Eisenhower's risen from uh, 9 to 5. Who's paid the price for that? We, we talked about this before. Um, actually, um, and it's a good one, Woodrow Wilson has dropped from 6 to 11, which is a good, we obviously think good. it's a good change. And I, I honestly yeah. do think the conservative um, education project uh, from everywhere from, uh, you know, uh, the Jonah Goldbergs to the Glenn Becks to, mm-hmm. um, well, obviously, preeminently uh, the Woodrow Wilson character on The Wonderful World of Stew. Uh, things that people, have, uh, efforts that have been made over a long period of time to educate people on the, the nature of Woodrow Wilson and, actually has hurt him. And you good. know what You know what has made the difference is not, not his terrible, terrible progressive policies, but his racism. Yeah. And there's just no getting around that. Left or right, you don't like the racist. And he was a hardcore racist. Mm-hmm. And now that word is starting to get out a little bit, and he's starting to drop. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, number five, Eisenhower. Number four, Theodore Roosevelt. Ugh. Um, Terrible. You know, which I disagree with. Three, FDR, which is another really bad. bad one. Uh, and then, but the two, you know, we're at the top two, with the exception of one guy who always emails you, uh, we're pretty okay <laughs> yes. with uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Now, Lincoln, you know, the case, there's a libertarian case against Lincoln. Um, we're not, you know, we've bored you with it before. I don't think it's necessarily a point to rehash the whole thing. Um, you know, but I think in context, he was a pretty darn good president. But I mentioned um, that I get, a, I get an email uh, from this guy every time his name comes up. And uh, sure enough. You got one today. <laughs> it happened again. I got one from him today. As soon as we talked about it, I get this Lincoln's position on the list. I'm glad you and the liberal hack professors can come together and agree on Lincoln. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So am I. So am I. It's nice that we've come together on that. When conservative radio hosts and liberal members of academia come to a consensus, I have to step back and examine how you both can both agree. And I I didn't misspeak that. (laughs) That's how it's written. Uh, I have to step back and examine how you both can both agree. Hmm. No, that's a good maybe, point. Maybe he should step back and examine the um, amount of times he uses the word both <laughs> in a sentence. That's probably fair. Probably fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's just, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like... I can I, understand yes. the, the libertarian viewpoint on, as I've told him a million times, on Abraham Lincoln. He took extraordinary you measures. you answered these emails? Hmm? Yeah. I have actually answered these emails. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're more intrigued than I am. <laughs> I will say that. But yes, he he suspended habeas corpus. Uh, he he took some extraordinary measures that were frankly unconstitutional. But he gave back that power, which is an amazing signal of who this guy was. Um, did he step on states' rights a little bit? Uh, I you know, yes. I guess he did. He forced people back into the union, right? Or at least we, we had a war um, based on the fact that they were trying to split from us and we wanted them to stay and it, it caused a war. But you have to ask yourself, would it have been better had he let the South secede? And where would we be today if that would have, if that would have been allowed to happen? Where would we be? I mean, would this, it, it, it would not be the same country we would not have the same kind of world that we have today. 
Abraham Lincoln saved the Union. Uh, I mean, there's just no question about that. If you don't like the Union, I, I guess you could take issue with him. But I happen to like the Union. Sorry. I, Pat Gray supports unions! Mm-hmm. I knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. I knew it was there the whole time. And look, look, I mean, look, and I, I, I put Washington one. I mean, I, put, I probably put I Washington too. ahead. I but you too. want to talk about how we always talk about the divisions in our society, right? We always talk about, oh, well, we've never been more divided than Trump and, and the left now. Uh, yeah, uh, we have. Um, first of all, uh, yeah, we have. And it, it, to give you one minor piece of evidence as if you needed it when there was a freaking civil war. But the president who won the civil war is number one on the best presidents of all time. The president who didn't do enough to stop it, in historian's estimation, is the last, in last place, James Buchanan, um, in 43rd place, because obviously there hasn't been a 44th yet. A gay man and a gay president. Gay man and gay president. That was the thing we wanted to get to, is that (laughs) James Buchanan is gay. He was gay. He's always, he always will be gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people like to just, uh, just stamp that out of history. But he was a gay man, gay president. Uh, first gay president. It is quite possible that he was. It's actually, there's a, there's a historian who really believes it. And, and I guess he was a bachelor the whole, his whole life. Yeah. Uh, he was engaged for one short to period of time to a girl who was very wealthy. And people speculate that she, he was more into her money than he was into her. Uh, additional part of that is it, they We've broke all been down that road, haven't we? What? We've all been down that road. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't. Sure. Um, but he, she, uh, they broke up and she committed suicide. Um, so, again, there's another part of that uh, that could potentially. And I guess he was around some dude all the time. <laughs> is it too like, soon like to mention that senator. she committed suicide? Is it too soon for the people who loved her? Who? Anne. That's what, Anne. Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised you got Ann. I got I got surprised you got Ann Coleman. Ann Coleman. Yes. Ann Coleman. Uh, very sad story. Mm, very sad. Too uh, soon. Too soon to talk I about it. I mean, as Ann. soon as, uh, apparently, as soon as James said, look, um, I'd rather be with a dude than you, uh, she couldn't handle it. <laughs> Are a, you sure that those were words I'm, he actually spoke? Yes, he did. He said, all I He said, Ann, I'd rather I, be with a dude I than engaged, you. I engaged myself to you for the money. Mm-hmm. I really would rather be with a dude than you. <laughs> it was the end of her. And he did roll do he- dude heavy. We do know that. Well, he lived with a dude. He lived uh, with a dude. A senator. Mm-hmm. Somehow the that president so was living weird. with a senator. A president and a senator living together. That is just weird, yeah, isn't it? It, it is odd. You forget well, the sexual aspect of it. Just the living arrangement there and the separation of powers thing. Yeah, imagine if that happened now. Like weird. Trump just starts shacking up with, like, <laughs> Dick Durbin. It's <laughs> 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 like, what? Yeah, a tad weird. <laughs> Kind of Wait, weird. you're just, where's uh, Melania? I'm living with Dick Durbin now. <laughs> I just like him. We get along well together. <laughs> I, great. We got a great thing going, <laughs> you know? And I'd appreciate you not questioning it. I think or now, I think that might I fly. I believe Trump could get away with it. The left might actually like him then. They might. They might. They, they might, might come around to that viewpoint. Actually, no, he still have an R after his name. They'd still hate yeah, his guts. True. Uh, amazingly. All right, we've got a report from the Environmental Working Group that uh, has warned that 218 million Americans are exposed to potentially dangerous tap water. Now, that means there's about 100 million Americans who are home free on this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a one way to look at it. That's one way uh, to look like at the it. The glass being half full uh, <laughs> there from Pat. Uh, you saw mm-hmm. what happened in Flint, Michigan. This is obviously the biggest story that's happened in the last couple of years uh, when yeah. it comes to water safety. Don't uh, you love that the government can even screw up your water? <laughs> Isn't am- that wonderful? It I love is that. amazing. Um, so you want an alternative. Mm-hmm. You want a way to, get, uh, to, to not have to deal with these problems. Uh, there is a solution. It's called the Alexa Pure. The Alexa Pure pitcher, it's right here, and it reduces 99.9% 
of 92 contaminants found in tap water. It's a fantastic system that they really worked hard on to make sure that this wasn't just a filtering system that would remove like dirt or rocks from your water. <laughs> it will, re will remove It rocks, will though, remove right? those, okay. but it'll also get out the lead, the chromium-6, other things you don't want in like, your water. You've got bigger problems if there's, if there's rocks coming through your tap. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got to get that checked out. Probably. Uh, but I guess you could do it. I've and... had that, though. I've turned on the tap and just mud comes out of it. <laughs> really? It's not pleasant. No, that's not, not pleasant. pleasant. But not rocks. No, not, well, maybe no. a few pebbles. Mud built is made of tiny rocks mm. so there you go yeah uh order yours right now at getalexapure.com getalexapure.com you can go to the stores you can buy inferior products for almost as much money mm -hmm. it's, it's it, you know do you want to do that or do you want to get something that actually works if you're going to bother getting the filter anyway you might as well get one that actually does something yeah. uh how about that getalexapure.com or call them at 888-895-7746 888-895-7746 getalexapure.com Hi, welcome to Pat and Stu. Uh, federal appeals court just ruled last Thursday that Florida doctors can talk to patients about gun safety. Oh, marvelous. Declaring a law aimed at restricting such discussions a violation of the First Amendment right to free speech? Wait, you've got conflicting rights here. You've got the gun rights and you've got the freedom of speech kind of in conflict with each other. How does that work? What do you mean that's free speech? Right. Well, I mean, I guess wait, you can ask yeah. me anything. Yeah, I mean, it's I not just taking not away you. your guns, and you have a right to not answer, right? But it's not to, the, the 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 what would be at odds there is not it's it's the doctor's speech versus not the person's right or ability to own a gun. But what what I would ask is. The hell business is it right. of yours? Exactly. That's how I would respond to. Talking about, do I have guns in my house? But, and am I? But you can't tell a doctor he can't ask, can you? I don't know. It's none of his business. Uh, yeah, you, but you I, can't tell him he can't ask. But what is he doing asking? I mean, I'm. You can tell him. Jeffy can tell him. I can tell him. But the federal government can't say, doctors. By the way, you can't talk to people about guns. Well, they sure enough uh, can tell. They tell them I what guess. they have to ask. Right. Well, that's what I mean. I, they can't do that either. Right. I mean, that would be a violation and that would be it's probably what this is targeting, by the way. Sure. My guess is they're saying, wait a minute, we don't want doctors to ask these things. And then they can say, well, there's a mental illness here right. um, and we're going to take it away. Or they can, you know, someone who's anti-gun can make things up to make you look like you shouldn't own a gun. And that's a sensible thing to try to protect about. But I don't think you can get to that by saying doctors can't ask questions. I mean, doctors should be able to ask whatever freaking question they want. And if they ask questions you're not comfortable with, then you go, then find, you go find another, another doctor. doctor. Yeah. yeah, right. I think that's reasonable. I think that's right. It's, it's just weird. I have to say I haven't thought this out fully, but uh, you know that seems to me that uh, I mean, Judge uh, here we go. A circuit Judge William Pryor, who was a guy who you knew was supposedly came in second or third when it comes to the uh, appointment right. they, that he gave to Neil Gorsuch. Um, he said uh, in a separate concurring opinion that the First Amendment must protect all points of view. Law was passed in 2011 by Rick Scott, Republican governor. Uh, strong support from the NRA. It was one of the only kind in the nation, though similar laws have been considered in other states. Um, support, supporters in the Republican-controlled Florida legislature insisted it was necessary because doctors were overstepping their bounds and pushing an anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment agenda. But that you're allowed to do that as an individual. Yeah. Now, if it's required by law... I <laughs> then think you, you answer and tell them exactly what your situation is at your house. 
that's a different deal. Yeah, that's a different deal. If like I am bound by law to tell my doctor everything he wants to know about my guns, uh, that's an issue. That's a problem. Uh, yeah. But obviously that's not part of this. So that's, I mean, fine. You can ask me whatever you want. I just, I'm not going to tell you anything about my guns. Um, this says 11th uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals found that the law does not trespass on patients' Second Amendment, uh, uh, amendment to a right to own guns and noted a patient who doesn't want to be questioned can easily find another doctor. True. That's true. I'm, 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 yeah. uh, I'm tending to, uh, uh, I, I agree with that, except like my children, what, what happens if the doctor starts asking your kids? You know, I mean, I specifically talked to my youngest son the last time he went in for his physical and stuff. Uh, you don't need to be telling them everything about us. <laughs> okay. I, I, I bet you've had that talk with him many, many yes, times. And that has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. <laughs> uh, right? You're, whatever. I'm just saying, you know, the doctors can, you're right, Stu. What were you the worried about? The doctors can ask anything they want. But I, knowing my son, oh, sure. And they just start ta- talking. About uh, what? What were they, you worried about? I don't want the doctor doesn't need to know everything. What don't they need to know? What are you I'm worried about? I'm not going to tell you what I don't want the doctors to know. <laughs> I'll tell you that. This is unbelievable. The shadiness involved in this man's life. I know. People think we're joking about it. It's we're not, not. We're not kidding. We're doing this we're in not. a fun We're trying to alert you in a fun way. Do you understand? This is a service to you. If you come in contact with this man, run. <laughs> All right. Triple eight seven two seven back. Also, we've got this uh, fun drone's eye view of SpaceX's Falcon 9 landing. <clears throat> Apparently, that uh, SpaceX is the Elon Musk uh, business, and it's they're, they're trying to eventually they want to go to Mars, right? I, he wants to send people to Mars, and I think he's even got plans of maybe colonizing Mars one day. Uh, and we're not quite there yet, but uh, here's a look at the Falcon 9 rocket that was uh, developed by SpaceX, and here it is. There, it, there's a drone's eye view. Wow. And here comes the rocket. That is incredible. That's pretty cool. I, I was expecting uh, something else. It kind of looks like almost like we're playing a video in reverse. Yeah, it does. But we're not. That's how it lands. Yeah. So it, it is a rocket that takes off and then comes back down and lands. Yeah. And I know they tried to land one in the on a ship, right, in the in the in the ocean. Yeah, that, well, I forget how they one, one succeeded, I believe. Yeah, one, one succeeded, more than one did. More than one right. may have succeeded, but one has not for sure. They crashed. Yeah, but I mean, those are it's got, that's pinpoint landing, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is amazing that they can do that. Because usually rockets like that, you just jettison them and they just keep going in space, and then they don't come back. This Probably one saves some cash, right? I mean. <laughs> Right. If you're yeah. able to uh, kind of keep everything together, it probably save some cash. Interesting. Um, so, and Musk is. Hmm. I mean, this is obviously all. Uh, you know, there's not some like genius pilot sitting there, like you know, making this happen. Like this is going to be all automated, and you know, it's it's worked pretty much perfectly. Um, and you know, Elon Musk made this argument that this is coming more. I think we have this whole clip here this time, which is goes into uh, what he thinks the problem might be if everything becomes automated. Watch. There will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. What to do about mass unemployment? This is going to be a massive social challenge. Um, And I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. Universal basic income. Universal basic income. I think it's going to be necessary. So it's mean that unemployed people will be paid across the globe? Yeah. Because there is no job. 
machine robot is taking over? Um, that, that's simply the, the and I want to be clear that these, these are not uh, things that I think that I wish would happen. These are think, simply things that I think probably will happen. Um, and since, and if, they, if, if, if my assessment is correct and they probably will happen, then we need to say what are we going to do about it? And I think some kind of a universal basic income is going to be necessary. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. they didn't get to that part, but the, 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 they start talking about how, how do you get meaning from your life? You know, how, how do you get meaning out of, uh, out of life if you don't have a job? And so many people associate that. Again, you know, it's the first thing you ask somebody. What, what do you do? What, what, what's your job? What do you, how do you, what's, what, what do, you do to make a living? Um, well, what if you don't need to do anything to make a living? And government hands you a check and robots do all the work. Uh, how do you define yourself? And what do you say? Um, I think that's. I don't think they had an answer to it. I think that was he mm. was saying. They was raising that question. And I think a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you are, you can be a musician, you can be an artist, you can be, you know, you can do drugs all day, whatever you want to do. Jeffy. Jeffy. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Is that what you do? I the think doctors that proved our fact right there. Yeah. That, pr that proved the point. Is that what you do? And want the doctors to know. What's up? Yeah. Hey, well, uh, me. hey, Mr. Doctor, um, I looked under my dad's bed, and there was just filled with uh, illegal firearms, uh, mass prescription drugs, a bunch of lots of stuff that didn't look like it was prescription right. oriented. Right. Um, yeah. And, maybe um, uh, there's a, the strange toys, um, <laughs> and then a giant, uh, big box of uh, prescription pads from your office, uh, which I thought was interesting as well. Is that huh. what, is that what you didn't want him? Is that what you do? There's what no need for him to be saying what goes on <laughs> in our house. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm saying to you, Stu. Uh, I don't know why that's such a big deal. I just feel that it's important that the children know did you, I, I what really can and know. can't be said at the doctor's I want to know, okay? honestly, did you counsel your son to not tell the doctor everything that's going on in your home? Absolutely. Did, 100%. <laughs> It's great. You are it's so perfect. 100%. Is that perfect or what? Do you just assume... That because there's nothing really bad going on in your home, that he wouldn't say anything. That doesn't matter. It's a good sentence, but not quite up to the standard of a dictionary. That doesn't matter. The bottom line is what's true, of course. Here is there are things going on. Exactly. I mean, I mean, Trump has got this gig right now where he's you know supposedly going into all these illegal immigrant raids. I'm just saying, if you need to raid a house, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right there. Mm -hmm. Right there. Right there. Uh, you know what? There's a problem in your life that you may not even know about. Uh, and it involves your phone carrier. Your current phone carrier, if you're not with Patriot Mobile, is using your money to undermine your beliefs. They're spending tens of millions of dollars to remove conservative leaders from office, to, to push forward conservative agendas like Planned Parenthood. And you just, you don't want that. Yeah, they're pushing for Planned Parenthood uh, and against conservative principles. And that's what Patriot Mobile, uh, they exist to solve that issue. Mm -hmm. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text with high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices. Why do we tell you that? Because um, you're like us, I think, and you're saying, well, I'd love to help conservatives, but uh, not if my phone's not going to work. Well, mm -hmm. your phone is going to work. You're going to get all the stuff that you get from all the other companies. Uh, and they're going to donate up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. And when you switch, Patriot Mobile will buy out your current contract up to $500 per line. So, I mean, that's awesome. And then they throw in a free iPhone 5S or the Samsung S5 and a $50 unlimited talk, text, and data plan 
Uh, so it's, you know, I guess you can choose between those two. So it's a, uh, it's a great deal, whatever you, you choose. I think you get the $50 plan and then you get the free phone. And this is the you thing. You get like, them both? Yeah, because okay. I think you get, it's interesting because uh, the, all these other, you know, big phone companies are all falling all over themselves to give themselves credit for now offering you unlimited data. For uh, just $195,000 yeah. a month. Right. I mean, you can get unlimited talk and text. Thanks yeah, so thank much you. for that. That's great. Thank you. Although you just go to Patriot Mobile and get it now. Man, that's, right. another, that's another way you could do it. Call now. Patriot Mobile will waive your $35 activation fee. If you got to use the, uh, you got to use the uh, promo code, though. It's Pat and Stu. Mm-hmm. You might recognize that as the name of the program you're watching or listening oh. to. Pat and Stu. That's how that tied in. Yeah, that's I was how wondering. Yeah, I was kind of wondering. It wasn't just a random What's collection a of letters. What's Why? Huh. Um, go to uh, patriotmobile.com slash blaze or call 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze or 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Patents too, triple eight seven two seven back. University of Wisconsin Madison students uh, are demanding free college for blacks. I mean, how many times have we said it? There needs to be free college for black people. I mean, we how many times have we said are it? Huge proponents on giving mm-hmm. away benefits based on the color of people's skin. Yes, we think people should be prioritized based on skin color. It's a mm. big thing that we fought for for a long time. I think Asians should get free health care. Blacks free college. Uh, Hispanics. Uh, should get free groceries. I'll say Asians should get much of anything because they outperform us everywhere. They outperform I don't care. white people. It doesn't, we that doesn't are the matter. minority. Uh, it doesn't we, matter. We matter. are the. the, the it I doesn't mean, matter. Did you ever see their test scores? <clears throat> through the roof. In- income? Through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, they should be paying for white people uh, so we can equal the pay- playing field. It's not that they've just outachieved white people, it's mm-hmm. not that. It yeah. is not. It isn't. Uh, it's solely because uh, skin color. Um, uh, and, that's uh, why. And that's why we think, um, really, we think it's a really good move for the country to move towards a, a, a situation where we can all come together and say that group of people with that skin color should get more things than that group of people with that skin color. That is, I mean, I will say this, as a historian, that has never been a problem in the past. Never. That's mm. always been good policy. Always. Always good policy. Um, whenever you say one people who look one way should get more or less than another group of people works out well every look time. another way it's always every a success time. it's 100 percent success yeah and they're demanding free tuition and housing for black students um and this is apparently because at least according to the new york post because blacks were legally barred from education during slavery and university remains out of reach for black students today it does it remains out of reach for black students today there seems to be a lot of them I mean, I don't know what the percentage is of blacks in college today, but it's got to be higher than the population, isn't it? I don't know. Um, I mean, I, higher than the population of blacks? Come on. That's, I mean, that's insanity. Resolution, that, that is insulting, and I would say racist against black people. Resolution stated that too much emphasis uh, is on high ACT and SAT scores, and that upholds white supremacy. <laughs> And allows too many kids from suburban high schools yep. to be admitted. Again, I always I'm sorry, agree. That's based on merit. When, yeah. you're, when you're talking about test scores, ACTs, SATs. shut up. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, I, mm. people, a lot of people are against um, standardized testing. And I, you can obviously go too far with it. Um, because it do, people say, well, it doesn't help you learn anything per se. It's just a quiz on what you did learn. And I look, I've always looked at this a different way. This goes back to when I was in school. It's not about learning the things on the SAT. 
or the ACT. It is about accomplishing a task and figuring out how to do that. And I knew that I had the SATs coming out, so I went and I took, I read books about it. I, 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 was, I did the, the process to end to a task. That is much more similar to what you do in the real world than most of the stuff that you do in school. Uh, in the real world, you have a task, and mm-hmm. you have to do these things to prepare for that task and accomplish the task. That is actually what happens in the real world. Um, whether it's a, a report or it's a sale or it's a, you know um, a new invention or who knows what it is. It's a you know creating an IT department, getting people on the internet, whatever it is. It's about accomplishing a task that you're assigned, um, and that needs to be part. It doesn't need to be the entire thing, but it needs to be part of it. And so I, it's interesting that like they say that like well these things are racist against uh, black people. Well, first of all, they are racist. There are some racist things in the text. In fact, this is one of the things I found out studying for the test. Uh, which this is, goes back to the uh, SAT. Uh, you know when I took it, which was in 1994. So it's old, old information here. Alert. But when I was studying for this, they said there was a controversy in which black people said they did not have enough black person questions, whichever, right. whatever, right. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and so one of the ways they made that better was to make questions about black historical figures. So, so they said in, 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 the, in the book that I read to prepare for the SAT, if you have a multiple choice question and there is a black person involved in the answers, you know it can't be anything bad about them. Because the reason they right. put them in was to say, look, we swear, we're, we're sorry that we were too white. So if they asked a question mm-hmm. about, you know, whatever black figure it is, you know it has to be a positive result. And so it actually helped me during the test. I remember thinking, I wasn't sure if it was person X or person Y, but it was a negative question about the person. And I knew it couldn't be the black person because they won't say anything bad about black people in the tests. So I would knew it wow. could be the evil whitey who you could say lots mm-hmm. of negative things about. But, I mean, that is an actual thing that happened during the test, and this is years ago, and I'm sure it's worse now. If anything, probably every question is about how bad white people are and how good black people are. Every question now. The math questions are probably like that at this point. Um, So it is kind of an interesting thing. I I think, though, the question is not whether it's fair or unfair to certain groups. It's not about the information. It's about accomplishing that task about accomplishing a goal. You have a goal to test well on this particular thing. Don't think about it as like, I hope I know every piece of information I've learned through through high school. It's how do I take this test? What are the mechanisms involved? What are the types of questions they will ask? Learning about the test and executing the test is much more similar to actual work than figuring out what in 19 or, you know, 1758, what happened. Yeah, but what about the racist questions? Well, that, well, you have that to deal with, which is difficult. Yeah. All right, uh, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. More Pat and Stu coming up in a sec. Here are some stories that Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we Yay. don't have to talk anymore. <laughs> so last week, uh, the great uh, Chelsea Clinton uh, out in, uh, the she's great still Chelsea the great Clinton. Chelsea Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, daughter of Bill and Hillary Clinton, uh, tweeted on her verified Twitter account at Chelsea Clinton. I need a thesaurus. What's another word for horrifying, sick, awful, mm-hmm. running out of adjectives these days that mean unconscionably terrible? Mm-hmm. Oh, are you? Well, Chelsea was helped. <laughs> Good. Chelsea was helped. I bet uh, she was. 
One of the respondents, uh, Juanita Broderick. Oh, boy. Uh, she replied to the tweet, well, since you asked, here's my definition of horrifying, sick, and awful. Oh, no. Answer, your father, Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Whitbeck nice. responded, nice. I think mom would qualify as well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, mm. be careful what you ask for uh, yeah. on your Twitter account. What was she, t- I mean, what is, she's looking for adjectives to describe the Trump administration or something. She's, she's, I mean, she's where the rumors are now, right? She's getting ready to uh, run for office. Probably. They've got her uh, setting the table for her for a uh, Congress seat in New York, I think. So good for her. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want her. We want her. No problem. Uh, the world is much safer uh, here in the United States, specifically. Uh, Customs and Border Protection agents uh, seized uh, 42 pounds of horse meat, including uh, 13 pounds of horse genitals, arriving from uh, Mongolia at Dulles International Airport. Uh, the horse meat hidden in juice boxes. Uh, one of the women said that the horse genitals were for medicinal purposes. But... There was also carried with them. That's how bad this was. They had three liters of yak milk that was also seized. All of this incinerated now. I mean, we're, I want you to know it's been incinerated. Why? Uh, because uh, horse meat prohibited from entering the United States without official certification might have foot and mouth disease. Oh, okay. Uh, no, that makes sense. Mongolian horse meat is always prohibited. <clears throat> Why? Always. Oh, always because racist. of disease. So I hope you're, hope you're happy. Horse meat's a big mm. thing around the world. Uh, mm. Kazakhstan has a big uh, horse meat stew. That's like their like traditional dish. Mm. If you go there, sounds um, delicious. Which is why I, I sold the condo. Uh, to be honest, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you did the Kazakhs. Uh, okay. Yeah, a condo that I did purchase uh, sold because uh, don't want the horse stew. Okay, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, I know that you guys are uh, big Star Wars fans. Uh, according to uh, the news now, and people are not. Happy about it. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, The Last Jedi, is referring to multiple individuals. Yeah, I didn't pick that up. What? Initially. Get out! Yeah, because it's Jedi is the plural as well as yeah. the singular. And so they, apparently they got the uh, they got the word from the Spanish. They got the idea from the Spanish poster because the Spanish poster reads uh, Star Wars Los Ultimos Jedi, and if it was only one, it would have read El Ultimo Jedi. How many times have we said that? So, it's not El Ultimo Jedi. I bet over a hundred. <laughs> over a hundred times we've said that. Yeah, starting in 17... Mm, 38? 30, 30, 37? Uh, in there somewhere. to be safe. <laughs> well, obviously The Last Jedi includes Luke, right? Right, the theory was yeah. that Luke was the last yeah, Jedi. Last yeah, Jedi. but there's others. Um, but there and we've been told others. all along, no, there are others. Mm? others. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to find out who they are, and obviously Leia... So they weren't tricking us. Well, of course, she's not. I don't know. She can't be in this, can she? Mm. Welcome back. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the number. Well, you know, as you know, probably if, uh, Pat's a big uh, fan of tourism to Haiti. I mean, I just put it out there the way it is. Uh, he likes to visit, goes there all the time. Um, oh, I, <laughs> if by all the time you mean once. Oh, you can 
Of course, you could obviously exactly try right. to minimize this. But, Jeffy, how many times have you been there? I don't want to ask you. I haven't been there at all. Uh, and uh, I know uh, uh, Pat is a huge fan. Huge. Oh, um, yeah. Did you buy a condo while you were down there last time? Uh, three. Three condos, three condos. Uh, all around Haiti, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting. And, uh, and I, you know, we now have uh, another uh, friend of the show, uh, Dan Andros, also a huge uh, fan of tourism to Haiti. And uh, he joins us now uh, from faithwire.com. Dan, welcome to the program. Hey. Yeah. Are you, like, comfortable, uh, are you comfortable with this uh, introduction? That was, a, that was an interesting, interesting right? Uh, I'm surprised they didn't get the uh, Hades lovely, especially this time of year. No, you didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> well, Susan never also, been, he wouldn't know. You also didn't get the bad idea jeans. When's the last next time I'm going to make it to Haiti? Uh, which right. was, uh, it's a much more, <laughs> it's a much worse <laughs> reference, so I, I wanted to give you that as well. But you actually, both of you went down there to do really positive things for the people who are having an incredibly difficult time down there. And it had to be interesting to see that kind of firsthand. Yeah, I mean, it is something to see. I mean, Pat, I mean, were, were you in, where were you, Pat? Port-au-Prince? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the trash there, I mean, it's just hard to explain even as many pictures as you see to actually drive through the city and see the amount of trash everywhere. There, I don't know, mm-hmm. you went by the river of trash. Like, it's just a dried up riverbed that goes through and it's just completely filled with trash. Jeez, and, wow. um, uh, yeah, it really is something to see. And you wonder, I mean, it's the 2010 earthquake, a huge flood of, of donations came in, you know, outpouring a support from the world, $13 billion. And now, six years later... Holy uh, cow, was it... Thir- I thought it was like $4 billion. $13 billion? $4 billion was just from the United States. Oh, my gosh. Uh, wow. So the rest of it, you know, the, the United States government, actually, and then the rest of, like, private private charities and everything else got $13 billion. Jeez. And now they're actually poorer now than they were before 20, you know, really before bad. the Earth. Well, you know yes. why? All of that money was, uh, uh, I, I mean, you can almost guarantee was squandered by the corrupt government. All that money probably went to the local officials who pocketed it? I mean, we yeah. s- we went through uh, Port-au-Prince, and there were actually USA donations printed on the side of boxes that were for sale on the side of the street from <laughs> vendors who had somehow gotten a hold of this aid that we sent there, and now they're selling it to people. Yeah, so. and this is, I mean, what everyone was telling me there when I went was this. I mean, this is pretty much from what I saw a classic. I don't know, it's like a, a macrocosm, microcosm of why handouts actually don't work because mm-hmm. um, obviously we want to help people and you want to send things and immediate things like food and, and those mm-hmm. sorts of things are definitely necessary but the flood of stuff that came in actually is a detriment to the economy there because now i mean what what is a local retailer uh gonna do about selling shirts when you know hundreds and hundreds of boxes and mm-hmm. crates of shirts come in and they just hand them out i mean i i was mm-hmm. interacting with a guy i was wearing my redskins hat and uh and this guy was wearing a Cowboys jersey, and I was kind of joking with him, you know, hey, Cowboy. And he was looking at me like I was from Mars. And then I realized, like, oh, that's right. He doesn't really care about the Cowboys. He right. just got the shirt right. from, you know, off yes. the truck or something. Well, you know? nobody cares about the Cowboys. But, yeah, I do, yes. uh, I do uh, appreciate that. Because, that, that, you know, I had never thought of it that way. Because we talk about the corruption. We talk mm-hmm. about how government isn't efficient. Mm-hmm. But this is the same thing we face here with things like, for example, Wi-Fi. Where, and again, first world problem. 
But you have the situation where the government's like, well, everyone should get Wi-Fi, and that's why we're going to provide it for everyone. And then they build these networks, and Verizon's like, well, we just dumped $3 billion into Wi-Fi in that area. Right. And and now you're just going to give it away for free? We're the ones getting screwed out of this, and no one feels bad for the big businesses. But I'm sure that happens with local vendors there. I mean, like, all the if the basic needs are met for a short period of time, and your business is providing basic needs, you go out of business. Yeah. And clearly no basic needs are being met there whatsoever. I mean, I went to a town that was actually hit by the hurricane. And actually they were telling me, you know, because the election, you know, the United States election happened shortly after that hurricane just pummeled Haiti, uh, the, the western, southwestern tip of Haiti. And um, they were actually saying that that was a blessing in disguise that the media sort of moved on from it, even though they had to bury a thousand people in mass graves because over a thousand people died Jeez. there. Um but they were like, you know, I'm actually glad that that the media sort of moved on from that and didn't we didn't get the flood of all this extra stuff that would just end up causing more problems. Um, so they've been able to deal with that. I mean, they're still dealing with the with the uh, mm. aftermath of of that hurricane, and it's still bad. I mean, I went out to that town, and you're seeing some of the pictures out there, and pretty much all the trees. I mean, like if there's a tree standing left, it's got basically no leaves left on it. I mean, that thing got absolutely. Um, pummeled but uh um but it's amazing to see i mean the people there this is something the media doesn't usually show you and, and what i'm hoping to show in our, our upcoming special on faithware.com is is just the spirit of the people there and you know obviously there's problems and there's issues but i mean they're living in trash i mean i saw kids that just like they were walking around with like no clothes and mm-hmm. you know just just going to the bathroom out and out in piles of trash that were out <laughs> like oceanfront beautiful caribbean oceanfront and they're just stacking trash up there and going to the bathroom but but yet that the spirit of the people, they're, they're, they're always smiling at you. They're very friendly. Um, you know, I went, mm-hmm. there was church service all day long. These people were like really, really, you know, getting after worship, worshiping God and, 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 um, and going to church. And, and it was just something to see like the whole entire day Sunday. You know, Americans wouldn't do that. And we have pretty much everything you could possibly want. <laughs> were, were you in Port-au-Prince too or were you uh, somewhere else? Yeah, I was in Port-au-Prince, but uh, I pretty much just drove through it. I didn't actually stay there. I, I was I was amazed, Dan, at, at the amount of rubble still left over from the earthquake. Uh, it's amazing yep. how much destruction is still visible. And it, that happened in 2010, so we're, it's seven years later Jeez. now. And they still haven't even cleaned up the rubble from the... With $13 billion, they still haven't even cleaned up the rubble from the earthquake. Uh, it's yeah. shocking. It is shocking, and you almost get the sense that they're just like, whatever, we'll just deal yeah. with a, you know, because they're just yeah. so used to the corruption. Actually, the town I went out to that got hit by the hurricane, they don't even, there's not even really like cops out there because like basically local gangs like run <laughs> run the areas because they're so fed up with mm-hmm. it that you know uh, when cops would come rolling in there, they'd just shoot at them, and then cops were like, all right, fine, forget it, we're you, you guys police yourselves. Good luck with that. Jeez. So it's just run by, you know, these gangs. And I actually interviewed one of the gang leaders, and that was a pretty wild experience. I was following a missionary around, and um, her story was pretty wild. When, when uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Guy Philippe. He's sort of like a local Pablo Escobar there. But the United States actually just extradited him, arrested him. They wanted him for like 10 years on drug charges. And um, he got arrested. He got elected to the Senate there because, again, he's like a Pablo Escobar. He does, hey, he does nice things for the people. So they, they kind of look the other way on the drug dealing stuff. <laughs> uh, so, but they, he would have had immunity if, uh, if he was 
actually sworn in. And so the DEA got in four days before he was supposed to be uh, sworn in and they, and they extradited him. Well, that caused riots out. Yeah. Yeah. And then that caused riots and they started, they flipped out over that uh, in this area. And so all of the Westerners, all of the, uh, you know, um, foreigners had to get out of there. And so the UN, anybody with a missionary just fled except for this one girl who's like 23 years old. Her family has a long history of doing uh, missions work there. And she just decided to stay. And um, she was kind of in hiding for a couple of days. And so after a couple of days, she's like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Um, you know, just get me a meeting with these, you know, gang leader guys, she told her friends. And so they did. They drag in the middle of the night. They take her to these gangs. And like a, it was like a scene wow. from 24, the way she described it. And she basically just told them. She was like, look, she's like, guys, what you're doing is not helping. You're burning stuff down. And, you know, violence was going on. And, you know, people, a couple of people got killed. And um, they were so blown away that she had the guts to go stand up in front of them <laughs> that they, like, loved her. And so now she's wow. sort of like a little local kind of celebrity there. And so I went and tagged along with her for a couple of days, and, and I interviewed one of these gang leaders, and that was that was quite a wild experience. But, um, yeah, really lawless out there. And, um, uh, you know, just they're sort of governing themselves and um, – you know, just really something to see. It's, it is incredible, too, watching the, some of the footage you, we've been running here that you took while you were in Haiti to see, you know, the trash and the destruction and the rubble. And then every once in a while, every third or fourth picture, you ju- it just pans to take this beautiful mm-hmm. picture of every oh. resort that's in my head that I've ever been to. Yeah, it's uh, breathtakingly it, beautiful. Beautiful. And, I mean, I, you know, there's I, there's all this land there. There's, I mean, you know, with that, if you go to an island, you know, 50 miles to one side of it, it would be probably millions of dollars. And there, oh. it's probably nothing. Yeah, and the place I stayed at was this little church on a hill, you know, a few hundred feet up a hill, you know. So the view, I mean, you woke up, the view was spectacular. I mean, this would be a multi-million dollar view on any other economy in the planet, practically. And so you do look at that and you're like, man, you're like, if they could just get a tenth of where they're at now, like this, this would be an amazing turnaround. And so... Um, but that is what they're trying to do. A couple of the groups I, I met with um, and, and interviewed, um, instead of having this influx of just stuff and just handouts, which does cause an entitlement mentality, even among people mm-hmm. who have nothing, it's just on a lower scale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're promoting a, a different way of doing things. Sort of like, you know, you go on these missions trips and it's like, you know, you go paint a fence and like, hey, we saved the day. Right. Well, they're kind of trying to create a new attitude of it and it's more of like a mission tourism where you go there and you're not there to save the day and save the world in seven days but you're just there and you go and you spend your money in the economy you go and you you know build relationships with people there you get to know them you actually you know go to a restaurant down there instead of just um you know trying to be a savior in a couple days and so it's Mm. it's it's you know it's a, it's going to be a long road to go and um, but I, you know I think that's the way to go I think that's a really cool way of approaching things because you know they they do need, you know they don't even see you know it's funny you mentioned that beauty Stu and people would ask me so this is your first time in Haiti and I'd say yeah and they'd say what do you think and I go this is this is spectacular it's beautiful and they look at me like I had four heads like what like this is there's trash everywhere and this place is a mess and I, but I'm seeing just the natural beauty and I'm like this is stunning you guys. Well, yeah, um, it's like, I mean, the natural beauty is very uh, Jamaica-esque, which is another very poor country, but not quite in the situation that Haiti's in. And they've they've actually built resorts in Jamaica, and they've they've taken advantage of the natural beauty. 
in Haiti, I don't, I don't know that there's even a resort. Is there? Is there any kind of infrastructure there? Is there any sort of tourism going on? Because it could, they could take advantage of that natural beauty, and really be onto something. But they don't. And it would also be hard, I guess, to overcome the perception at this point. Yeah, uh, and they, and and I think too that they need, they sort of need the encouragement because. You know, uh, what this one guy does, um, the Hands and Feet Project, they are building like a little mission hotel. And it's sort of like the first step in, uh, in sort of a you know, larger world into kind of creating that mentality like, hey, yeah, we have stuff to offer here. Mm-hmm. But, but he'll, ha- he'll have to go down to the beach. Now, these are these beautiful Caribbean white sandy beaches. He has to go down and tell them, hey, guys, I've got a group of people coming in this weekend. And I'm going to take them down to the beach. So be ready. Like, Otherwise, they just don't clean it up. They'll just like leave, you know, leave the trash around. So they, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done to sort of change their attitude to, you know, because they've just been dealing with so much corruption. Yeah, that they just had they just had a presidential election, and you know, uh, they were telling me, you know, he was trying to, you know, the guy that runs that the the mission resort down there, he was trying to get his, all the people that he employs, you know, to do the the labor and stuff. Hey, what what about this election coming up? And it's total apathy, total apathy. They're just like, mm. eh. You know, our life's still going to, you know, be generally crappy, you know, otherwise. I mean, I mean, you, you got to realize. Because that's the all they know. Around. Yeah, that's all. They, they have nothing. That's I all mean, they know. This guy actually helped a friend because you know, they don't even know the education's so bad. Like they, they lost a baby because they weren't feeding them properly. They didn't understand that. They were like, oh, the baby's not crying. Well, it stopped crying because it's not because it's not hungry, but because you weren't feeding it enough. It just gave up. Mm. So, uh so he actually took the ba- took them in to to sort of help them, you know, with their next baby because, uh, you know, the same thing was happening. And the guy was so mm. afraid. The guy was so afraid to stay with him and accept the help. Listen to this, because he didn't want his child to grow up expecting a fan and a light bulb. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh! It's another freaking world, and so close to us as well. I mean, it's amazing. You think of this stuff over in, in you know Africa and parts of Asia that are really poor, and this is right off our coast. And I mean, and to your point on the resorts, it shares an Haiti shares an island with the Dominican Republic, which has mm-hmm. tons of resorts. I was there on vacation a couple of years ago. I mean, it is uh, it's it's another world, and and it seems like Haiti just always seems to get the worst of it, and. Thank God yeah. people will go there like the people you're talking about and, and, and go there to help. And also people like Pat who just are big fans of the tourists. <laughs> just big fans just and big just fans. love to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, there, but there, go. Are, there are people doing really good things, and that's what we're going to try to show And you know, because you don't want to waste your – you want to help. And I know people want to help, and that's why $13 billion went there. Sure. Um, but, but it needs to go to a different direction and not just to like so you're these saying, giant NGOs that are screwing things up. You're saying, Dan, the way to, the way to help out is just to go there and – and enjoy it as a tourist, sort of, and just spend money, stay there, eat food, do those kinds of things. Is that right? Yeah. Is that essentially yeah, it? I, yeah. I mean, that's the idea that they have. I don't think they're there yet. I mean, I think to what you were saying, like, it's not like you can go to Port au Prince. Like, you wouldn't really <laughs> right. want to, you would not want to go to Port au Prince and just walk around by yourself. Like, you that really would wouldn't. You really cool. wouldn't want to um, do that. So, so. so you, you definitely, I mean, like, this place, you know, the Hands and Feet Project, they, they employ lots of local people. That, that's the idea. And I think that's why it's called a mission resort for now, because this is where missionaries would go, because that's typically who's going there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that, it, but but those are the sorts of groups I think that you should look at if you're looking to, you know, help people out. I think uh, people like the Hands and Feet Project and ones that are focused on more long-term empowering sort of the local people there. Those are the ones you want to sort of give to, not somebody who's just going to dump in a bunch of extra supplies, you know, 
mm-hmm. and uh, just drop them there. And like you said, you see the you see them getting sold all around in the black market. Actually, the gang leader I interviewed, the USAID tarp, was on his. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, all right. So some of the footage uh, mm-hmm. that you, we've showed here today is, is all part of a bigger project you're working on at Faithwire. When you, I mean, I know it's going to take some time to put together. When do you expect it to be uh, all ready to go? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going through all the footage now. So um, hopefully within a couple of weeks, I'll uh, you know just if you just check faithwire.com, we'll uh, we'll uh, alert you when I have an official date. But yeah, it's going to take a little time to get through all the footage. And you know, I was up there for four days, and um, yeah, so going through it now, and uh, probably within a couple of weeks. Yeah, cool. Dan Andros, uh, faithwire.com. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I, I talked to him uh, over the weekend, and he, there's a ton of really amazing stories uh, just from a few days being down there that he told. And I know you guys told uh, some really incredible stuff as well from just being down there. It really does set your uh, perspective. I mean, it resets mm-hmm. what you expect out of life as a human being when mm-hmm. you go to these areas. It's one of the reasons why I try to avoid them as much as possible, um, because I like my coddled little bubble. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, I mean, the, the big screen TVs are here. Yeah. The cars that drive when you want them to drive. Cell phones. The drive-throughs with all the food and, and all the smartphones. Yeah. It's really nice here. Six percent of their population has car. Has a car. Six percent. It only took 6%. them years. How many years since 2010? Yeah. Is that right? Since yeah, just seven years long? to not clean up the rubble. To figure out that, you know, what we should do is rebuild and make resorts and bring people in. <laughs> well, I don't think they're doing it because they're dumb, Jeffy. <laughs> I think it's because they're trying to get through every day alive. Yeah. Um, and I will say that, you know, it, it, it does, I think, not only does it reset... Because I think most people think, well, it's going to be, I'm going to be so depressed and it's going to be a depressing thing and it's going to reset the way I think about the world. And all that's, I think, good, particularly for people of faith to, mm-hmm. to do that sort of thing every once in a while. But in addition to that, it also makes you appreciate capitalism. Yeah, no <laughs> you know, kidding. it makes you appreciate rule Count of law. Here. It makes you appreciate the things that we have here. Yeah. Um, and I will say, if, because I've been saying this for years, if they had just listened to Jeffy. Thank you. Uh, after 2010, thank you. There may have been a different solution. Huge I remember listening solution. to a little sh- listening to a little show called The Fisher Files, uh, airing on uh, 970 <laughs> WFLA, uh, Tampa, Huge Florida, solution. one weekend. And Jeffy, you pretty much solved the Haiti crisis. If I, mean, I, I, was, I did, and I, and I have to go back and look exactly what the the full because uh, you don't even remember your own plan. I don't even remember my own plan. It's been so long now. They they didn't they didn't take it. They didn't do anything with it. I did not. Do you remember what it they was? They threw it away. They <laughs> talked about making Haiti. I believe we were gonna. We were gonna. The United States needed to make Haiti either a state or. A, I think a, it was a state. I think it was, you went straight for statehood. Fifty yeah. first state. And then, I mean, we have resorts. Mm-hmm. We have uh, gambling casinos, and we bring in the NFL. Yeah, you were you were talking about basically <laughs> opening it up to every vice and travel thing like that we could possibly have. They, uh, I, I would not have been surprised if legalized drugs were part of that. I don't uh, know that Port-au-Prince is the most appropriate place for the NFL, uh, since no. I don't think they even know about American football but, there. But they were wearing Cowboys jerseys, um, as we just you. learned. Yeah, okay. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, we're, you certainly don't have that situation, but you never know what could go wrong in life and when you might need like some extra food in your house because... Uh, yeah, I, look, I think about that situation for a minute. I mean, if you were in Haiti and, and <clears throat> were able to be, obviously there's some areas that you had no chance after the earthquake and all the other crap that's gone on. But I mean, you know, with society sort of breaking down, um, you know, it happens obviously more often in a third world country, but it's not exclusive to them. I mean, we've seen this in many areas around the world and even in, in for short periods here. Um, I mean, New Orleans comes to mind. 
mm-hmm. um, in a place you, could, you couldn't go buy food. You couldn't go get the supplies that you needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why my Patriot Supply is an easy step to take care of, uh, of this. And Houston, Texas comes to mind. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't think of Houston, Texas as a third world nation. And yet, in like two days, it, it, society completely changed because everything was closed. You couldn't get gas. You couldn't get food. You couldn't get money. So... There are some ways that you can prevent starving during those times, which is really kind of, I don't know, important. With easy-to-prepare emergency food that tastes really good and it lasts a long time, like 25 years, you can get four weeks of this food for $99. That includes the shipping. Yeah, and you know, easiest thing if you have a family of four, start with this package and knock out a week for four people. Yeah, uh, and then you can always add on another one later when you have a little bit of extra money to get some, to get get the basics for a month is something that is easy to take care of. Uh, my Patriot Supply makes it simple as far as the process goes. We don't have to deal with all the stuff Pat's talked about in the past with trying to rotate food and 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 you know keep things uh, clear out the bull weevils. Killer. So it always, it always comes back to bull weevils <laughs> in this discussion. Uh, but yeah, I mean you, you don't have to do that stuff with my Patriot Supply because it's designed specifically for this purpose. Call them 888-411-5290, 888-411-5290, or preparewiththeblaze.com. It's preparewiththeblaze.com. Well, we've been, Stu. Hi, 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 Stu. Hi. We've been looking at uh, history quite a bit over uh, the past couple of weeks. We have. Um, Stu's right on that. That's <laughs> in our recent history. We've been talking about history. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the child of former slaves that grew up in a violently racist deep South? Uh, C.J. Walker. She rose from uh, uh, poverty, from abuse, from the darkest of times, uh, to really. Have a comeback story that maybe you think only happens in America. Well, if you're Don King, you'd say it that way. Um, unless, of course, it happened in another place, then you'd say it another way. But this one happened in America, so we can say only in America. C.J. Walker, watch. In every story, there's a hero or heroine, and there is a villain. I wasn't looking, I swear to you, I wasn't looking for this when I started this story. I didn't even know that it was going to start in the office of Woodrow Wilson. Villain. But there's lots of villains in this particular story. Um, But let's start here. Oval Office. Madam C.J. Walker. She's waiting outside of the Oval Office to meet with President Woodrow Wilson. Now, this is at a time when... Uh, the KKK is on the rise. Woodrow Wilson has resegregated everything. It's the, the black-white relationship is just grinding up against each other. And she knows, I have a chance. I have a chance to change everything. Here she is standing in, the, in front of the most powerful office in the world. Woodrow Wilson surely is going to meet with her. Yet, she's black. 52 years after the Civil War, and he's taking us back. He's resegregating. Blacks and whites were together. The Klan and, and Woodrow Wilson are trying to bring back the golden years of the South, and lynchings are on the rise. 
um, 50 victims in the year right before she goes and she's there in the Oval Office. She's thinking of the 50 victims because that's why she's there. She wants to meet with the president. How can we stop the lynchings? There was a race riot um, the month before in St. Louis killed 39 black Americans. Um, president was absent, didn't say a word about it, didn't lift a finger. So she says, we have to go and meet the president. And, and she really believes, I can change the course here. I, can, I have come against the odds. I have come this far. My entire life has led to this moment. And what am I going to say when he opens up the door and welcomes me in? That's the only thing separating her from power and great profound change. Just that door. Let's go back in time. Let's go back just after the Civil War, 1867, 50 years before. It's the post-Civil War uh, South, and black women um, are like women, Christian women, now in the Middle East, the very bottom of the barrel. Last person you're gonna spend a dime, spend a moment thinking of, doing anything to help, is a black woman. You are the lowest of the low when it comes to human life. So if you're a black woman born in the South, even after slavery was abolished, you have a station in life, that's where you stay, that's it. Your options for making a living, you can work in the house as a domestic servant. Um, if you're strong, you can work as a field hand, you can cook, you can do laundry. Laundry now, anybody who thinks, you know, laundry, well, that, okay, that wouldn't be bad. Forget the washing machine. And the wage is pitiful. This is the world she's born into. People now talk about, oh, I have no opportunities. I No, no, no. She had no opportunity except the promise that if you have an idea and it's better than everybody else's and you work hard and you have a little bit of luck on your side, you can make it. She doesn't believe that yet. Nobody, nobody black, no black woman believes that surely. She lives in a shack in Delta, Louisiana, just across the, the Mississippi River from Vicksburg. And um, four years before she was born, General Grant staged the uh, 1863 siege of Vicksburg from the plantation where her parents were slaves at the time. So Sarah's childhood is spent in this dangerous climate of, of white Southern resentment and violent racism. Right after the Union wins in the Civil War, um, the blacks are a little afraid. The whites are afraid. They don't, they don't know how to work. Booker T. Washington talks about this. They don't know how to work. They don't know how to run the plantation. They know how to run the whip. They don't know how to do the things. Blacks don't know how to necessarily run anything. They don't know how to be independent. They depend on the slave owner and the slave owner depends on them. Thanks to the passage of the 13th, 14th and 15th amendments, slavery was abolished. Blacks had the right to citizenship and black males 
No woman had the right to vote at the time. Black males were granted the right to vote. So all over the South, when the black man could vote, he did, and he'd crawl through broken glass and a fire to vote. And he always voted Republican. So all over the South, black Republicans were now serving. And the white Southerners, it drove them out of their minds, and they vowed revenge. And they found, let's say, creative ways to skirt the, con the, the uh, Constitution and the laws that guaranteed the right of the black man. And we now know them as Jim, Jim Crow laws. And a new terrorist group steps up. This terrorist group is a political group. It's a democratic political group. Um, their job is to stop the Republicans. Not the black man, the Republican. And they would do everything they could to restore the South and the honor of the South. And that meant any white man, any black man that was helping the Republican, dead. Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant um, actually used force to combat the Klan for a while. Um, but then the Union Army withdrew from the South and now unchecked the Klan. Their power just grew and things became horrible. And without the Union to, to help protect the right to vote, um, a lot of people just never made it to the polls. And of course, then Jim Crow the Jim Crow laws, well, for your protection, we need to take away your gun. Now, here's how screwed up things were. The Democrats at the time were called Redeemers. The Southern Democrats, they were just known as Redeemers because they were redeeming the South from the backward scenario of having black men have any kind of authority whatsoever in society. And when we redeem the South, well, then the rights of the blacks will be gone. And in some states, they wanted to make it illegal for a black man to even be um, unemployed, which, <laughs> what? How, I, what am I gonna do? I'm breaking the law. If you won't hire me, I'm breaking the law. This combined with a sharecropping um, system was, it was back to slavery. Sarah's father was a sharecropper. And like most former slaves, he barely eked out a living for his family. And by the time that Sarah was old enough to, you know, enter into first grade, the Louisiana public schools shut down because the state government wouldn't fund them. Why? Because all those kids, they're all black. This was a reason why the federal government was important in the schools back then. The teachers were harassed if any school was open. The, um, the schools were burned down. Um, sometimes the teachers were even killed. Sarah's only education came from Sunday school when she would go to church and she would listen to Sunday school. She was an orphan by the time she was um, seven years old. Her parents died. She had no place to go. I think this is why 
her whole life she was looking for structure, or maybe a dad, a disciplinarian, maybe. She was taken in by her older sister, um, but she was abused by her sister's husband, Jesse Powell. She would later say he was cruel. She didn't speak a lot on these issues, um, but it was a frightening roof to live under when you were a young child. But it is because of those things and the, the, the seeds that were planted that the roots started to go down deep in her determination. She could, the, I think the abuse in her life, and I, nobody wishes abuse on anyone, but she used that to her advantage. It's not what happens to you in life. It's what you do with it. And she grew determined to escape. Hey, it's Pat and Stu. Why do Americans refrigerate their eggs? We're going to tell you that in uh, just a second, but I'm really pissed off about this Melania Trump thing. She uh, uh, stood up at, right. at the get-together, was it yesterday? It was yesterday, right, in Florida? Saturday, I think. Maybe Saturday. And she read the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. to start. She, at the start, she said, thank you for the applause. Let us pray. And went right to the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Okay? Um, so the left and the atheists in this country are just apoplectic over this. Somebody tweeted out, Melania starts the dictatorship rally with the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> not in all caps. Not every American is Christian. A. Neither is the Lord's Prayer necessarily. B. So what? <laughs> A well, woman no, can't no. pray because not every American is Christian. Who made that rule? What is that? You know what? Amazingly, it's not a rule. It's not a rule. It's not a rule. Not a law, not not a suggestion, not a regulation, nothing. It isn't a thing. Separation of church and state. Not a thing. Um, Just like there's no rule, there's no thing like that in the Constitution. There's not not that thing in the Constitution. Also, in addition to that, um, it wouldn't mean that the, even if there was that thing, it would mean that Congress... Uh, would not make laws uh, about religion. It would not mean that the first lady couldn't pray. That's right. Not, that's not just part of how it. stupid people so stupid. are. That's just so ridiculous. And then her last line is "country over party." What? What does that mean? I mean, first of all, you're. you're I guess you're saying that only Republicans pray. Um, secondly, like the country can't handle a prayer. If you don't how like, if you're we? not Christian. You just don't listen to it. Who cares? It's, it's, it's really, this is a strange phenomenon to me. I, I can't understand the people who, who yell every time somebody prays who is a government official or a government official's wife and says not every American is blank, not every American is Christian, not every American is Jewish, and so what? So? so. Uh, that has no effect on what happened. So what? I... I but we, we always kowtow to these people. Yep. We always say, well, yeah, you're right. We'll try to be sensitive to your feelings and maybe not pray in your presence or 
even not in your presence to where somebody could show it to you. Okay, well, try not to do that anymore. That's what happens every time, yep. is we cave to this. And I want it to stop. I want to stop caving. And I think the Trumps are just the people to do that to, because they don't care. No, yeah, I hope they so. don't care. No, so. So, yeah, you shouldn't. Um, you should care about are your eggs. <clears throat> I love eggs. I do too. I'm a big fan. The love incredible it. edible egg. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are incredible. They are edible. Um, here's the <laughs> interesting part about this. Uh, there's a story in the New York Times, uh, and the headline was "Why do Americans refrigerate their eggs?" Which, of course, led me immediately to respond: it's Somebody the right thing doesn't. To do. wait, yeah, wait, I know. Who doesn't refrigerate right. their eggs? <laughs> Well, apparently these stupid European countries just like leave them out on the counter in a basket. It's, well, yeah. uh, the answer to the question is almost the rest of the world yeah. doesn't. I know. Amazingly, the answer yeah. to that is it, it basically is true. And the reason why we refrigerate them and most people do not is because we wash our eggs while others do not. And that's another question that popped in my mind is why the hell wouldn't you wash your eggs? That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so disgusting not to refrigerate them, mm-hmm. disgusting not to wash them. Mm-hmm. Not, okay, but... Both true. Okay, go, go on. And uh, I think you don't need egg expert, you just make it expert, And then, then people would know <laughs> that Jeffy's an expert. <laughs> I am an expert. You are. I am an expert. Uh, so, um, uh, now the idea there is to control salmonella. So if you have more than 3,000 hens... Uh, in an area, you have to wa- wash them. It's a, obviously you know salmonella is bad. And I want to um, know why farmers with less than three thousand don't have to wash yes. their eggs. And because I, it's what an is arbitrary that about? number made up by the government regulation. Yeah. It, yes. it is the but reason. That's bizarre. The, the reason the, the the idea to come up with an arbitrary number is because the more hens that are in a close quarters, the worse right. the problem is. So right. that's why they try to avoid it. Um, salmonella outbreaks are more prevalent in large operations where the chickens are kept in close quarters, often in cages stacked on top of one another. Some large scale producers vaccinate their flocks, mm. but not all. Thus, the one size fits all washing regulations. Right. And it's that, interesting because the vaccination then becomes becomes a problem too. And then what they promote is these these chickens, these eggs come from chickens that haven't been vaccinated for any right. disease. They've got every disease known to man. <laughs> Good. Uh, this is what I want. The farm fresh, unvaccinated, diseased chicken. Mm-hmm. I want that egg. <laughs> Those you? are the best eggs. Those are the best eggs. Uh, and nobody says you have to. You, you're not washing them before uh, you. You take the egg and you, you rinse it off and crack it open and cook it any way you cook it. But mm-hmm. prior to mm-hmm. that is when you want it not washed. I, I, it really, it, like, it's revolting to think about to me. It, it, it's gross. To, to not wash it. It's gross. It sounds so you are washing it. No, you're not. It has come out of a chicken's butt. Yes. I don't know if you know that. It came from <laughs> well, a chicken's butt. I don't think that's that, gross. They have a separate. They have a step, <laughs> they do they have, have a, a separate thing for the egg. But, but still, it's gross. You want wash the separate part I, is gross too. I want my eggs washed <laughs> um, because it came from a chicken's butt. This is a story of American exceptionalism, where we're the only That's people serious. in America, in the world, serious. that have figured it's out more proof. that it's gross. <laughs> I mean, not to mention, let's just say they were wash. Mm-hmm. Leaving them out on a counter at room temperature... That just doesn't seem smart. Just doesn't seem smart, and it sounds gross to me, too. Yeah. Like, I want them refrigerated, I want them to be... So I take them out, and That I, seems like, why don't you put chicken out in the hot sun and just right. let it bake yeah. all day, and then eat it? Yeah. It's dumb. That's why we don't do yes. it. That's now, why. 
If we've grossed you out with food uh, a little bit here, we're going to reverse that process for oh, you. Oh, yes. Because we're awesome. And we were we talking love... last week about Serendipity 3. We do. It's a restaurant in New York City. However, there's now a few of them. There's one in Las Vegas, apparently. Oh, is there really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so if you ever go to <laughs> Vegas, you go to Serendipity 3. Get the frozen hot chocolate there because it's the most delicious thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. However, they're trying to top themselves here. Uh, and they've come up with a new Sunday. It's only $99. <laughs> Only $99 for this. It's the Treasure Chest Ice Cream Sunday. Watch. I'm excited. Here we go. Okay. Here's what goes into it. Chocolate bucks. Edible gold. 23 karat gold. Chocolate cake. Carrot cake. 14 layer chocolate cake. Whipped cream. Oreo Oreo kisses. kisses. 12 scoops of ice cream. 12? Wow. Only 12? Caramel sauce, marshmallow, strawberry sauce, hot fudge, cookies, waffle cones, chocolates, oh man, crushed cookies, whipped cream berries, I don't want those, cherries, and no. Uh, that's there it is. pretty incredible though. That's pretty, that, that looks, looks pretty great. cool. I gotta say for 99 that bucks, that's cool. a pretty good deal. I mean, that seems like yes, uh, that probably cost them eight. They have another Sunday that's a thousand bucks. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah, why it's, that's the, it's got the, more gold in yeah. it. The gold thing on food is just Dumb. stupid. Though. Just, it, yeah, it's, it's just like a pro- like I don't know what it's it supposed seems to be. Like prove. a Roman thing, man. You've yeah. just gotten so opulent right. and ostentatious. That- right. Hey, well, and I'm fine with being opulent and ostentatious. I just want it to improve the taste. If yeah. it doesn't improve the taste, don't put it on there yeah. just to make it expensive. It's like I want to prove that even though. It didn't do anything that. for me. I still paid for it. Right. But look Which at is, that. Does that, that look delicious? Jeffy, is there too much bougie sauce on there for you? <laughs> too much bougie sauce. There was no I don't want caramel sauce and hot fudge. It's bougie this sauce. Has, this has four sauces. Strawberry sauce, Strawberry, car- caramel, caramel, hot fudge, uh, marshmallow. Hot fudge marshmallow. Oof. That's a lot. Those, those, those particular sauces uh, I'm uh, good with. Looking. that I would love that. And the cake thing is interesting, too, because you're just stacking three pieces of cake yeah. in there. You got caramel. You, or, uh, you got much. carrot cake, you got uh, you got chocolate and red velvet. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. It's deck. almost too much, but not quite. More patents do coming up. In a I second. mean, if you're there at a table with friends, you buy that like one of oh, those yeah. for the table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you're there with Jeffy, and you buy two of them, what? one for him and one for the table. Thank you. Uh, This is an exciting one because uh, today we have Lay's Poppables. Yeah, Lay's Poppables. Did I just hear crunching? You bastard, Jeffy. You are I, the worst. I seriously hate you. I mean, in, in so many ways, we undersell what we do to you on this show. Like, what I oh, want to yeah. say to you is so much worse than what I actually say. I'm sorry, I just, that was sitting right here in front of me. I know it is, as. Okay, the two segments, uh, the two we have today are Poppables. They're <clears throat> brand new from Lay's. Interesting structure here is that they're kind of like. They kind of get a good shot here. Look at, you can kind of look at that. Look at that. It's kind of like, like crisp uh, cereals. Yeah, kind of crisp. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. They look yeah. just like it. Um, Norton, shocking you made one good point of the day on food. <laughs> um, but the structure is pretty interesting. We have sea salt. Let's start with there. Sea salt variety. Is that the one you tried already, Jeffy? It is. Mmm. Darn good. That's good. It tastes like a potato chip, but it's really light and fluffy. It feels, like, it feels like they're strong enough to dip, too. Dip in what? Well, so we start with sauce. Do we start with milk? And then Why would on. you dip these in milk? I don't know. Just no, you like, wouldn't dip these. You're in. right. These would hold off to a dip yeah. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, they taste like if you've ever had them, uh, munchos. 
You guys oh, familiar yeah. with Munchos? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are good, too. I like those. And Munchos are good. Yeah, they these are. might be better than Munchos, I think. But they're from Lay's. You'd expect that. Mm -hmm. And these are the white cheddar variety. Whoa. Which you'd expect to be better. I mean, let's be honest about mm -hmm. it. You put right. white cheddar on a chip, it's going to be uh, better. Oh, definitely better. Mm. Oh. oh, yeah. You get that burst of cheddar flavor. You do. These from are the good. very first bite. I buy this product. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like these. Very crunchy. Delicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are kind of cheesy. These are just sea salty. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they're both yummy. I like them. I'd eat them. Mm -hmm. I will eat them. When we go to commercial, we will continue to eat them. <laughs> um, and uh, but I mean, they're not like a top line chip for me. They're not going to hit the Doritos level. They're, there's no. really they're not that good. I would I would put them. The white cheddar, I would give a uh, 14 out of 18. And sea salt, I'll give a 12. I mean, they're good, but like it's sea salt flavor. It's always the most boring. Pat? Mm, I'm going to give the mm. cheddar a, like a 13, and these a 12. Okay. And um, stupid, what do you... What do you say, Jeffy? That's all. He didn't recognize what I called the him. Uh, the cheddar has got to be, you know, 14, maybe 15. Name a number. And the other one, the sea salt one, I've got to be, you know, maybe 12 and a half. <laughs> There's no half. I hate you. I really do hate you. That's real. <clears throat>